everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld, and I'm happy to bring you another edition of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. And I'm with Erica Hall. Hey, Erica, how are you? Hi, Lou. I'm doing great. All right. That's great to have you, Erica. Uh, you um, may know Erica from her book, Just Enough Research, in a book apart book. Uh, great book. Um, and uh, it's also um, the topic that she's going to be covering at our virtual conference on October 11th. The name of the conference is User Research for Everyone. And uh, we sort of think of it as a, a, a 201 level treatment of the topic where it's not for rote beginners who uh, have never heard of user research, but it is uh, an event geared toward people who are um, uh, maybe not user researchers themselves, but work with them. Uh, are trying to get up and running, uh, get some of the language, get some of the concepts, uh, maybe brushing up. Uh, maybe you're a developer or a designer or product manager who needs to know something about user research because you can't afford one of those expensive ones to hire yourself. So uh, we have a one-day virtual conference, userresearchforeveryone.com, uh, user on October 11th. And Erica is our, um, our I guess, you're our keynoter. You're, you're leading it off. Uh, oh, and I should mention, uh, uh, Erica not only is uh, a pointy-headed pointy author like I am, who, who just writes about stuff, uh, she actually does this work at Mule Design Studio in San Francisco, which is a really uh, great company, very well-known for many good reasons. Um, Erica, let's talk about your talk. Uh, it is called uh, Just Enough Research, and what do people get wrong about uh, user research when they're fairly new to it and uh, do they think they need more than just enough and um, how much is just enough? Uh, yeah, that's an excellent question because uh, I think what people do tend to get wrong is worrying too much about the method or like you said, worrying too much about how much they're doing. Because, uh, like, I don't think there's such a thing as guerrilla research, per se, because what we're really doing is we're designing. Like, the whole reason we're gathering information is so that we can do better design work and, you know, create better experiences for the users and do a better job serving the business goals. Uh so that's the framework. You really have to start with what's your goal, what are your resources, uh, wh where do you need to find knowledge or evidence to support your decision making, and, and go from there. It's not the same as research in terms of academic research or pure research. And I think that's the frame a lot of people have when they come into it. So um, is it too soon to bring up the, the scary word science? I mean, do you, I mean, is scientific research something that you feel um, people that might be doing just enough research really don't need to think about? Well, yeah, I think, well, I don't, I, I hope science isn't a scary word for people, but I think the way to talk about it isn't, because what we're doing is kind of an application of the scientific method, right? You're using critical thinking, but you're not trying to create new knowledge for publishing. It's applied research. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to worry about it necessarily being generalizable and reproducible and, and, and all yeah. those things that uh, people with tenure on their mind are, are thinking about. Um, does it, I, know, I guess one of the things though that I always wonder about with research that's 
let, let's say, let's call it, well, not Gorilla, but something of a lighter version than, than uh, a scientist might think about, uh, it still needs to have a life beyond, well, all right, I think it often needs to have a life beyond the immediate use of that research. And I worry that, you know, even if it's a light informal study, it's not being necessarily archived and maintained and returned to and maybe accorded the, the, the right amount of respect. Um, am I getting ahead of myself? Is, is, is the real goal to get people just to do it rather than worry about what they're going to do with that research in the future? Well, you're, like when you say that you're getting into the thorny issue of, you know, company knowledge management or how you yeah. you retain institutional memory at all because research isn't really a special case of that yeah it's just how do you know what you know and how do you keep knowing it as a team or an organization so maybe it's good to think about how that's already going on inside an organization how do they maintain institutional knowledge and memory uh, and then Think about how you design your research in order to kind of click into that way of, of remembering as an organization. Exactly. Because people treat research like it's a special thing, but you're just getting more information to put into the process. So let me ask you this. Um, I know you, you, you've told us, and I'd like to maybe dig into this a little bit more, that we need to kind of step back from the term guerrilla research. Do we need to step back from the term research? Is that already sort of a... A dirty word or a word that has too much baggage at this point to really be the right word to use in, a, in an organizational setting. Is there, is there maybe a better way to frame it? I will tell you that's exactly what I've been thinking about lately. Because the point isn't to do research. The point is to make better design decisions. And so I've been leaning towards the term evidence-based design as an alternative. Because what you want to do is evaluate the research work uh, against your goals, not against some standard of research. And, and I want to put the primacy on design because the whole point, the whole reason you're doing this is to do better design and make better design decisions. And when you integrate it into the process, then decision makers can't object to it in the same way. You can't carve it out because as long as we're describing research as a separate process, then it's possible to lop it off. And it's possible to say that you can do design without research. And I think by defining it as a type of design, a better informed design, then you can't carve it out because your choice isn't design with research or design without research. Your choice is like doing design well or badly. So I, I, I love that, and I was so hoping you'd say that word evidence. Uh, that, that's one of the two words that I've been uh, using quite a bit lately, and, and, and you know, definitely on the same page as you there. Um, but my only concern with evidence is that it, it's, it still gets you, it doesn't, it's part of the broader process, and it doesn't necessarily connect to an outcome. And you've described design or good design as the outcome, but in, in some cases, the, the research or the evidence gathering is really getting us to better things like strategy, things that aren't necessarily designed. Uh, and so I've been using the term insight. Can mm. we have better insights uh, and can different types of evidence help us achieve better insights? Not only because we've 
both we've assembled or amassed that evidence, but we've amassed different types of evidence that we may synthesize and mm-hmm. then really get to insights. Anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are on that term. Uh, that's an interesting term, and I think that's a good term to use to think about yourself as a designer and wanting to have better insights. But as a consultant, what I'm up against, and I think everybody's uh, sort of in this, like everybody who works for an organization of any kind, whether you're in-house or working in a more client services consulting way, you're, the design, the outcome that gets out into the world is only as good as the decision-making. And so when you, I want to have a conversation about how decisions get made and evidence-based is one way. And I think what happens when you say, are you making decisions based on insights? That sounds like something you could have in the absence of evidence. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, You can definitely uh, intuit something, right, that leads to a great new insight. Um, I think what I, the reason I, I kind of head in that direction is most of my experiences with organizations that are too large to really um, have intuition stand on its own because it's a very personal thing. It comes from one brain and we have situations in these large settings where there's multiple brains. And so it seems like you're more and more driven by evidence to insight rather than the evidence-free insight approach, which may simply be intuition. But I may be kind of mucking about in the weeds of language too much. I want to muck one more place before I forget, <laughs> though, and that's this whole issue of guerrilla research and that it's not a thing. Can Talk about what you mean by that. So the whole reason, I think, why people in these, you know, interface or user experience or how, like, I don't even want to get into what the field of design we're talking about is called, but this sort of digital interactive design the whole reason that guerrilla research came up as a thing is to get some research done. But what that term assumes is that there's some formalized good way of doing it. And what happens is that when organizations get to a certain point and they have the resource, then they start thinking, oh, we can do research right. And then what they do is hire a bunch of people with PhDs, nothing against people with PhDs, uh, but then they create these research departments separate from the people doing the design work, separate from the people solving the problems. And they're like, oh, we have a group of people over here doing research right. But what happens is similar to what you were talking about earlier, where the knowledge is gathered, the insights are found, the evidence is found, what have you, and then it's over in this vault off to the side. And it's really good, but it doesn't impact decision-making. And that's where I think the problem is, because it doesn't matter how good, by some objective research standard, your research is if it doesn't have an effect on your decisions and, therefore, on your design outcome. I've worked with large organizations who did like what a researcher would consider high-quality research but totally failed in terms of having that work uh, affect the design work. And then it's like, what's the point? It's like you never did it. Yep, Uh, I've seen the same thing uh, way too often, and it kind of makes you want to cry, right? It makes you want to cry partly because those organizations have, they sort of got 
get it to a degree that they're actually willing to spend a lot of money on research, and that's wonderful. But then they, they miss the benefit completely, which may completely jeopardize their, their research budget. And then I also want to cry a little bit for those poor PhDs who yeah. they're in this position of you know, having worked really hard and, and maybe gone into deep personal debt to get to that point where they have that PhD. And, um, and, and then they're in a situation where they're either not having an impact or they aren't allowed to have an impact in some cases, I imagine, because they're seen as a priesthood. And in many cases, we react against the priesthoods, and rightfully so. Exactly. And I was on a panel once, uh, and one of the panelists uh, was a really, really fantastic, smart researcher who worked in large organizations, large tech organizations. And she really liked the idea of specialist research and being in that group with other specialists and doing really good work. But she told a story that was a gift to me about uh, having like some VP of product level person who uh, came up with a roadmap and she looked at some of the assumptions and knew they were wrong. And she had the data to prove this person wrong. And so she set up a meeting to say, I'm gonna show you what we found. And she put together a fantastic presentation and she went back over all her data to make sure everything was really clean. And then she went in Monday morning to make her case and the VP had canceled the meeting. Power trumps data. And I think this is where people who came up through really formal research, they don't, that like they're so used to valuing evidence and data that they assume that they don't have to make a case for making like evidence or information based decisions. But that's the case you have to make is, is because it's very um, anti-authoritarian. So let, let's take it back then to the, the kind of people who are going to be joining us at the uh, virtual conference who are not those experts. They're not those PhD people. Um, but in many cases, they are, uh, the leading expert in their own organization or team when it comes to user research. And, and that simply may be by dint of being a month ahead of everyone else. And, right. <laughs> um, you know, so we have this model of, of expert, right? And you are the expert and, you know, we follow you and you have, you're an authority. And, and so we have to kind of reevaluate that. And, and if you're one of those people you're, you're already kind of lacking in confidence because you know you're not really an expert. You're just a little further ahead. I wonder if there's models for the, the sort of leader of user research or, or authority who's not really an owner or, an, or a true authority. Like somewhat, is there some kind of model for a role on a team or in a small organization like a startup where the user researcher the person who knows the most about user research can kind of lead everyone else in a way that, that, that doesn't put too much pressure on them, does not expect them to be an expert, does not expect them to be a member of the priesthood, but they can still feel at least confident. I know that's a, to yes. that's a big question, and I'm not even sure totally if there's a clear question there, but I feel like there's some kind of gap uh, for how people should lead these efforts in small organizations and teams? I think there's an excellent model, and that model is Socrates. Huh. Because the, I think the idea of 
expertise in research is overvalued because the value is not in having the answer. The value is asking the question and being willing to ask the question, even if that question is threatening. Because what happens in a lot of newer, earlier organizations is that everything is based on an assumption. And that assumption is sort of sacred. And that's why a lot of early companies fail because it was a bad assumption that nobody questioned because if you question that, everything would fall apart. So if you come in and you, and you say, I'm the one willing to question everything, because like what Socrates said was the only thing I know is that I know nothing, and that's where his power came from. And that's also why he was forced to take the hemlock, which I think points to how anti-authoritarian research can be. But you have to be the person, you have to have the person if you want to be successful. You have to have somebody who is willing to question everything based on knowing what you're trying to accomplish. And that's what the researcher does. So that also, I mean, that's a fantastic model. It, it creates two other interesting challenges. One is that last point you just made, that there has to be a clear vision of what you're trying to figure out or what you're trying to get to. Uh, and, and that's not always the case, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and it, that's, I don't know if that's that same person's job to figure that out. Uh, but the other issue is that if you're going to be the person with the questions, even in the smallest organization or team, you're, more and more you're going to be in an interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary setting where you have designers and developers and, and other types of people, business people, et cetera, et cetera, uh, SMEs. Um, that don't speak the same language and your questions have to resonate for them all. So that's another interesting challenge is, you know, user, researcher, whatever this role is, we may call it, as someone who's, who can kind of speak all languages or um, at least translate enough that their questions resonate and make sense. Right. And I think that's one of the mistakes that researchers can make is describing their work and the questions they're trying to answer and the answers they find in terms of the research rather than in terms of the business or in terms of the ramifications for the technology. And so that is on this person to, to say the whole reason we're trying to learn things is to make some aspect of a business successful and to help clarify the answers and prioritize these things. And you don't need expertise for that. You just need a, the right frame of mind. And you need to be able to communicate clearly and logically and identify things that are fuzzy thinking or embedded assumptions. So it's almost like we're talking about a new definition of user researcher, not someone with, a, with sort of deep experience with method as much as someone with the ability to identify important questions and, and communicate them to many different types of people. Uh, is there a, so who is that, that latter, that, that newly uh, defined uh, type of user researcher? Where do they come from? Uh, do they come from any particular field in general? And is it different than what we've seen in the past? Are we going to suddenly look to some new area for these people um, rather than where we looked in the past like HCI for user researchers? Oh, wow. Is this where I get to advocate for a team philosopher? 
Uh-huh. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to set it up for you there, Eric. Yeah, sweet. Because I, I, I absolutely think that that's the direction you have to look. Because too much of the way research used to be done was based on the way software used to be built or how academia works. And we're in an environment where the distance between thinking of something and creating it is so small. And so the thinking and the concept, it, like that's what's important. And you need somebody without the baggage of the old ways. You need somebody who can really have that clarity of thought. You, now you got me thinking about another concept that um, uh, Craig Petroff of GE introduces. Uh, he, he gave a keynote at Enterprise UX 2016 on this. Software is material, and when you can work with that material uh, and make those changes to that material so quickly, that just changes everything around it. And I think user research is a, a perfect illustration of that. Uh, gosh, we could keep going, um, and uh, I, I don't want to steal uh, uh, too much of your thunder for uh, October 11th when we have our conference, virtual conference, to uh, user research for everyone. Uh, Erica, it's just great to, to talk with you, and, and um, uh, I'm just really looking forward to your talk. It's called Just Enough Research, just like the title of your book, and uh, great having you on the show. We'll look forward to hearing more on October 11th. Yeah, thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Take care. Okay. You too.